So I'm gonna spend the next few minutes diving into the next part of the chapter we're in right now at Ramp Church. And it is called, even here, even now, even us. And we're, we're exploring what it looks like to stay in pace with what God is doing, even here in this crazy season. Uh, here in England, we're in lockdown. Uh, I don't know what nation you're in, but you know, all of us, our lives have looked a bit different over the past 12 months. So even here, even now, even in this crazy season, and even us, with all our limitations, our lack of experience maybe, whatever it may be, this chapter is about stepping into the story that God is wanting to tell through our lives individually, but through our lives as a family, as a faith family, as a church, as Ramp Church. And we believe that God actually has this moment as a part of your story. He's not trying to get you out of your story or uh, escape from this place. No, we believe this moment is part of your story because it, it is a tough story. Maybe it's a tough chapter, but it's only a moment. It doesn't define your story. It isn't your identity. Uh, isn't wrapped up in the moment you're in. But God can do something with this moment that can bring increased uh, understanding to the purpose that he has for you increase fruitfulness in your own life, increase fulfillment and satisfaction, and you can know God more through this. And one of the reasons is uh, something else we learn from even here, even now, even us vision, and that is that God isn't trying to take you around this. God works through things like this. And so maybe you're in a situation where you don't understand, what, God, why am I carrying this pain? Why am I carrying it could be health issues. It could be financial issues. Um, it could be connected. Many of us are struggling with things right now in the ramp community connected to the pandemic or connected to lockdown. Some of us, we, we brought struggles into this season, and this has only increased it. Wherever, wherever you are in that journey, I want to tell you, God can use this season, and he wants to use it by taking you through it, not around it. And the other, the other thing gives us, even here, even now, even us, vision is the realization that this is it, this is what God has for us, and this also leads to it. That we can actually live every day full of a sense of purpose. That this fits into my story, this fits into where I'm going, but also full of potential. That I haven't hit the cap in my walk with God. I haven't hit the cap in my own fruitfulness in life, and my own impact on the world around me. I want to tell you, you can live with purpose, with potential today. And that's because where you're living now is it. It is what God has for you. And it also leads to it. It sets you up for where you're going. So we're talking about hearing God's voice. Uh, last week, Stacy and I had a conversation together to kind of intro this topic. And I'm going to pick up on that topic today. And I want to read you a couple scriptures and then we're going to dive right in. So let's, let's look at these scriptures. The first one's John chapter 6. And um, this is a beautiful scripture that Jesus said, the spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing in, in, in the journey of eternal life is what Jesus is saying. Look at this. And the very words that I've spoken to you are spirit and they are life. I want to tell you, you can hear today life-giving words. Uh, you're, you're no doubt you're watching this somewhere online, right? You're watching YouTube, Facebook, but the only thing coming across Facebook or YouTube is not life-giving words. It won't take long to stumble into some, 
some not so life-giving words, right? But when you come to Jesus, the kind of words you get are spirit and they are life. They bring you life just to hear the very words of Jesus brings life. Look at this um, in Matthew chapter four, verse four. Jesus told him, no, the scriptures say people don't live by bread alone. Jesus is quoting Deuteronomy here. People don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And Jesus is comparing, he's using an analogy. He's saying the same way bread is to your natural body, to your physical body's life, the words of God are to your spiritual body. That you are not just flesh. You are not just a body, but there are many components of us. And Jesus is saying that when you step into the words of God, when you open your ears, when you open your heart, when you open your mind to receive God's word, that it isn't just a religious exercise. It's not just an intellectual exercise, but it brings actually nourishment to you. And I don't know where you're at today, but if your story in this season is anything like mine, I need nourishment in my soul. I need life in my mind. And that as we listen to the words of God, we get nourishment in our spirit. We get nourishment in our soul. And so we're going to talk today, we're going to explore more of what it means to hear God's voice. And today specifically, I'm going to talk about six different ways that God speaks to us. And then I'm going to end uh, praying over you uh, and explaining kind of how can we know that we're actually hearing from God in this season or any season? How can we be confident in that journey? I, now, we live in an interesting time in relation to truth. Uh, we, if you look back over the past few centuries, um, you, you think that even what we're doing today, like church and faith and exploring faith, maybe you're on today and you are exploring faith. Um, you, you look at what we're doing today and you're going, man, church, isn't church like outdated? I mean, haven't we figured out that like the whole God thing is just a farce and religious people that are trying to live in the past? And Because we look back centuries ago and we go, man, uh, there, was a, there was a religious sensibility or spiritual sensibility in society, but we've grown up since then, haven't we? we we've, we've realized that was superstition. And so there was a time centuries ago when, um, when the idea of receiving divine revelation was the way people thought is the only way that we could receive truth. And then in the 16th and 17th and 18th centuries, um, the Reformation, the Protestant Reformation led to the Enlightenment, which then we discovered, oh, we don't need all that spiritual stuff. Reason. We're in the age of reason. That's all we need. So the scientific method, scientific exploration kind of took over as the way we discover what is truth and the way we understand the world around us. So the, the age of reason exploded. We go, ah, no, we don't need that faith, that faith stuff. All we need is science. And the, uh, of course, we, there were some amazing technological advances through that, the Industrial Revolution. Um, and then we had these ideas, man, this can be the great leveler of humanity and wealth distribution. And all this can come from technology until we realized wait a second, people used religion to control others, and now people are using technology to control others, which meant that the 20th century became the bloodiest century in the history of humanity because we left God out, and some, some people in society said, finally, we've moved on to reason, 
But what we didn't realize is that we were also throwing away meaning. We were also throwing away value and how we could determine what's, what's worthy and what isn't. We also threw away morality because once you throw away a source of what's, of, a, of what's moral, you have no more morals left, do you? And what happened then is we, we stopped using religion to control people and then we started using technology. So the 20th century was a bit of a different story. We, we went, man, maybe you can't know everything through science. Maybe you can't know anything at all. Maybe we can't be confident about truth at all. And many of us, that's the postmodern era. Many of us have grown up in the postmodern era. That's kind of the air you breathe. And that, that storyline sounds like you can't really know absolute truth for certain. So, hey, you decide your truth. What's right for you is right for you. And what's right for me is right for me. And there is no absolute truth. And what we really live in is we live in a world where people adopt stories to help understand meaning. And that we separate ourselves in groups, political groups or religious groups. But all of us really know that it's just some sort of a semblance of reality, but we can't really know reality. The only real thing is that, well, we're people who make up stories. We're people who, who ascribe meaning to things. But I, I believe today, if you're on this stream, you're a part of a growing movement of people who's not satisfied to live in the past, who's not satisfied with those seemingly shallow or, or single-faceted ways to interpret the world around us. But one of the most compelling things about following Jesus and the Christian life is that when you follow Jesus, you live in a holistic perspective on the world around us. That you embrace the natural, the scientific method. You embrace the spiritual. You embrace story. You embrace that things do have meaning. That there perhaps is a lawgiver and therefore we can, we can have a, a genuine, deep, ethical understanding of the world. And maybe you're exploring faith today and you've been dissatisfied with other answers. I want to tell you, Jesus, when Jesus' word, when we say that Jesus' word brings life, that doesn't just mean a, a fuzzy feeling. It means that Jesus comes with a holistic vision for the way you can interact with the world around you. Jesus actually, uh, the, the, the gospels say that Jesus actually came preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Now, we don't have time to unpack that. That's what I'm preaching on today. But I just want to give you some nuggets from this before we get into the word because it's important to understand this. We think that Jesus came preaching the gospel of salvation. And that's an element of life in the kingdom. But salvation is only one element. And that's understanding, wow, I am in a place where I can't rescue myself. I'm in a situation where I can't save myself from the brokenness in the world around me. And our own methods are not able to get us out of this. We need something outside of ourselves to provide the answers that we don't have. And that's where Jesus comes in. That's the gospel of salvation. It's beautiful. I love it. We preach it. We believe in it. We want to live it. But Jesus came preaching what the gospel of Matthew says, the gospel of the kingdom. And what Jesus brought was a holistic vision for our entire life and the way we interact with the world around us. It wasn't a singular focus that we kind of click in at 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings when we're tuned in Ramp Church online, and then we click out at 12.30 when it's done, and then we get back to, to regular life because that was about our salvation life, our spiritual life. No, Jesus had preached a gospel of the kingdom, which is holistic. It deals with the way we understand economics. And I, this isn't about our nation, but it's about you and I, that Jesus would say things, the Bible would, would enforce things like, it's better to give than to receive. 
That's countercultural. That doesn't make sense. Well, Jesus, why is Jesus speaking about my finances? Because he has a kingdom perspective, a holistic perspective. And he knows that when we enter into that financial understanding, the financial truth that he holds, that he taught, all of a sudden we find the, the very thing that finances were meant for. I'm not ruled by my bank account. I don't understand value and worth based on who has money and who doesn't. I don't, I don't view the whole world based on the haves and the have-nots. Actually, my posture towards finances is that God has given me things so that I can give to others. He has a vision for our financial life. He has a vision for our relational life, the way we're meant to relate to one another. He has a vision for power structures inside of our society. So the, you could say it like this. The kingdom of God has, has a vision for the aristocratic levels in our society, Jesus would say crazy stuff like this. He would say, if you want to be first, you need to be a servant of all. The greatest in what? In my kingdom are those that serve others. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You're messing with me now because I thought the greatest are those that ruled over others. Jesus actually says to his disciples, when you rule outside of my kingdom, you rule over people. But I want to tell you, it's not going to be so inside my kingdom. You serve one another. So we could go on and on and on. We could go into our, the physical part of our life, our sexual part, our identity, our sense of belonging and community and relationships and vocation and career and the way all of those fit into the kingdom of God. But just for the sake of this message, I want, to, I want to put an emphasis on the fact that you and I need to lean in to what God is saying because you and I are being led by someone's words. Jesus just said the results and the fruit of his words, they are spirit, that's the source of them, and they are life, that's the fruit of them. I don't know the source of the words that you're living your life based on. Maybe they're your own desires or aspirations. Maybe it's just a whim. You wake up today and um, however I feel today, that's how I live. Or maybe, you have, maybe you're one of those, you had your entire life planned out before you were, before you were even a teenager. It's like, I'm going to get married at this date, and I'm going to have kids at this date, and I'm, then I'm going to have a career that's th that, that starts here and then moves to here, and then I'll retire at this. Maybe you're one of those. Wherever you're at, you have started your life journey based on someone else's words to you. It could be your own, it could be someone else's, it could be societies or cultures. But the beautiful thing about relationship with God is God gives us an opportunity to put our life in alignment with a different kingdom, with a different way of being. And the source of that is a place of life. It's a spiritual place. It's a place where Jesus lives. And the fruit of those of that life, of that way of living, of the gospel of the kingdom, the fruit of that is more life. Jesus would say in John chapter 10, verse 10, which is a chapter all about hearing God's voice, being led by the shepherd of our soul, the one who tends uh, for our health, the one who tends after our future. Jesus would say in, in John chapter 10, verse 10, that he has come to bring us life and not just a survival kind of a life but life abundantly. Some translations say life to the fullest. That's the life you and I are called to live in, and that's a life that can be found when we discover Jesus' voice. 
So I want to talk to you today about six different ways that God speaks to us. Now, I, I just encourage you, get a notebook, get a pen, um, and, and write some notes because this is going to be a lot of teaching today. I'm going to take you for the next 20 minutes or so to a little bit of Bible school, and um, I, may, I may preach a bit in the middle, but we're going to try to break down what, how can we understand from Scripture the way that God speaks to us and how are we meant to react to those different ways. And then I'm going to end with a bit of, of insight on how do we know that that's actually God? I mean, it's a little weird that we're a group of people that says, that says we hear voices. I mean, I don't know. Is that just strange to me? But we're saying we're hearing voices and not just any voices. We're hearing God himself. We better have some sort of a way that we can check and balance that. And so if you're wondering about what that is, I think you're going to get some nuggets in this message. So first of all, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 3. I'm just going to read two verses out of that. But turn there. And that gives us a little idea on the first way. And this is, I believe, the primary way that God speaks to us today. And that's this. That's this way. God speaks through Scripture. God speaks through Scripture. I, I don't think that's a mystery um, to most of us. I think most of us that understand Christianity or, or interact with people of faith, we understand we believe that the, the words of God throughout history, not all the words, but some of the words of God throughout history have been recorded for us. And Jesus followers, God followers in centuries past, their words from God have been recorded. And we now look back at this to, 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 to read about the stories of people that have that have attempted to know God and followed him and stumbled along the way and found answers and found insight and found revelation and made big mistakes and made big successes and God's used in incredible ways and sounds a whole lot like our lives here today. I think you'll be surprised if you've not read scripture before. I think you'll be surprised about how um, every day some of the stories in here, like, it, I mean, if that made it into the Bible, I mean, half my life could, could fit in the pages. Yes, exactly. That's the point. That's the point. It's, it's the record it's, uh, of people whose everyday lives in trying to find God um, were recorded um, so that we can use. So here's what Paul says about Scripture to one of his leaders, Timothy. All Scripture, this book is what, is what Paul's referring to, is inspired by God. Maybe your translation says breathed by God. Um, uh, that's, that, that literally means it's, it's meant to be that God speaks through the writer of Scripture to put the words on this page. We believe that this is inspired. It's divinely inspired. Yes, there's human touches on it. That's why each book is a little bit different. It has its own style. has its own unique uh, uh, flavor to it based on the writer. There's different genres in here. So you have poetry. You have um, ep epic narratives. You have in here um, apocalyptic literature. You have stories in here. You have historical books. You have prophetic books. You have historical books of wisdom. All different types of literature in this throughout history that God followers have have followed but all of it is inspired by God it's breathed by God and is useful so it's God inspired but it's also useful that's for the pragmatic in 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 the room it's useful you can use it and it's useful to teach us what is true I know I know this is some heavy stuff but you can trust that the truth in this word is just that. It is truth. Doesn't mean we check our brain at the door. 
it actually takes a lot of brain work, a lot of interpretation to find out what is true, to connect all the dots throughout uh, uh, centuries of writers. But it, it can teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong. Man, some days I need to know where I'm missing it. Anybody else in the room? Am I the only one who thinks, I don't know what I'm doing wrong here, but I'm trying my best and it's still not quite working out. I'm trying my best at parenting. And why are, why are my kids still talking back to me? I'm trying my best at parenting. And why are my kids still arguing with each other? I'm trying my best at this work thing. But why, why is there still this sense that my identity is wrapped up in what I do? Or when I fail uh, at a project at work, I'm destroyed for like days. What is going? I must be doing something wrong. Well, that's why scripture, one of the reasons scripture has been put in our life, so that we can have God-inspired truth that comes into our lives to identify what's the truth about this, but also where am I off maybe? Where do I need to bring myself into alignment with a greater truth? Uh, I love greater truths. Anybody thankful for greater truths? Greater truths like this, that it is God's mercies that are new every day. That's a greater truth. See, some of you wake up every day and you wake up in this Groundhog Day cycle of remembering your, your failures, remembering your shame, remembering your guilt. You're overcome with this. And it's because you've forgotten. And maybe you're remembering the truth that, um, that there is importance in the way we live. That's true. It's important the way you treat people. And it matters. It makes an impact when you and I don't do the right thing. But maybe you're forgetting a greater truth that says that it's God's mercy that's new every morning. Maybe you're missing a greater truth that says that it's God's goodness that actually leads you to repentance. A place where you turn your back on the way I've been living and, and then invite the truth of God into my life to be changed by it. It teaches us what's true. And it makes us realize what's wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong, teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Jesus himself believed in the power of scripture. He quoted scripture, Jesus himself quoted scripture 78 times just in the gospels. And that, that doesn't even count just the times where he, where he, made, uh, where he made reference to it. You can see over 200 times the other New Testament writers quoting from the Old Testament scriptures. But there are even more times when they used allusions from the Old Testament or ideas that you can trace back to the Old Testament. Their, their understanding of the way to follow God now, the way to understand the truth that he has for us now, the way to hear his voice starts by having a mind and a heart saturated in scripture. That's the first way we hear from God. I love this, uh, this story in Luke. Look at this in Luke 24. There were, there were two Jesus followers. This was the same day that Jesus was, rose from the dead. So uh, a couple days before, Jesus had died. And then on the third day, he rose again. And these two guys were leaving Jerusalem where Jesus was crucified. And they're talking amongst themselves about what had happened that weekend. And amazingly, the, the, Luke tells the story, Jesus shows up on the road with him. It's one of my favorite stories. I wish we could dive fully into it. And Jesus starts to unpack. He didn't reveal who he was yet, 
I don't know how that works, but, but he, is, he starts to unpack through Scripture all the promises about who Jesus was and show how his life was the fulfillment of those promises. And then this is what they say after he left. Look at this. After Jesus revealed himself to them, this is what he said. This is what they said. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? I want to tell you, if you've tried to read this book, and I'm not saying it's easy. It's not always the easiest thing to read. I'm right now in my personal reading going through, I'm right currently in Leviticus. It is not an exciting or enjoyable book to read. I just want to tell you, um, I'll be glad when I'm done with Leviticus and moving on. But it's not always exciting, but I'll tell you this, God can open it up to you in a fresh way. That's what happened to these guys. They knew the scripture. They lived their whole lives as Jews being, uh, being completely immersed in the Old Testament story. But their eyes had not been opened to see the story of Jesus. How, how do you hear the voice of God in scripture? Read until he speaks. That's my encouragement to you. You read until he speaks. You read until something in that book jumps off the page at you. I remember when I was a young man, um, and uh, thank you for those of you that just thought he, he is a young man right now. I appreciate you. Thank you. Stay tuned in. Keep tuned. Um, and I had like a mini fallout with some of my friends. And um, I was just new to kind of following Jesus and understanding the scriptures and it wasn't like a huge, you know, fallout relationships broken, but it was, a, it was a mini fallout. And it was over something that I felt like they misunderstood. Somewhere I was misrepresented and something I said got twisted. And so it caused like this riff, this little mini riff in our relationship. So I was like heartbroken. And because at that age, my friends were my world. So I didn't even know what to do in the scripture. But in desperate times, it's amazing what we go to in desperate times when it's sitting here all along. But in desperate times, I open up the Psalms. I don't even know where to start. I just open up the Psalms. I like start reading. And I remember reading Psalms 37, verse 5 and 6, that said this. I remember this like it was last week. I was sitting down deeply, deeply heavy in my heart and really, really struggling with what's happened in my relationship. And I opened up the scripture, and I didn't just read words that day, but this scripture hit me. It opened up my eyes and it says this, commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him. This is a word for somebody watching. And he will do this. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn and the justice of your cause like the noonday sun. I read verses before and after that, but when I read that, it moved from, from black and white words on a page to God speaking to me. Because what I needed to know from God is, God, is this going to be okay? Uh, is this the end of my relationship? Is this the start of more trials or hardship? And God had a word for me, and it wasn't a word that he was speaking directly to me in my spirit. We'll get on to those in a minute. It was a word through the pages of Scripture where he, wants to, he wanted to make those black and white words come alive in my heart in a fresh way. He wanted to apply this book to the situation in my life. Your righteousness will shine like the dawn. The justice of your cause will be seen like the noonday sun. If you do this, it was also an invitation. Commit your way to the Lord and trust 
in him. The first way God speaks to us is through Scripture. And because we believe that God speaks to us through Scripture, then we've got to believe he speaks other ways. Because in Scripture, he speaks in a whole lot of ways. So that moves us to the next way that we believe God speaks. Number one, he speaks through Scripture. Number one. Number two, he speaks to our heart and mind. And I'm, I'm unpacking these a bit more than the other four because these, I believe, are the two primary way that you and I, ways that you and I are going to be led by the voice of God and hear the voice of God. So he speaks straight into your heart and my heart, straight into your mind and my mind. We have an inward voice. We have a sensing of what God wants to do in our life. His voice comes and speaks into my life. Look at this in John Chapter 16, this is Jesus speaking. When the Spirit of truth comes, when the Holy Spirit comes, Jesus is talking about Acts chapter 2, and we now have the Holy Spirit. He has come. If you've given your life to Jesus, it's not just some eternal, like, get out of jail, monopoly free card, right? It's not just something you just keep in your pocket until, the, until I die. I'm just going to pop that out and show God. Remember this? It's a get out of jail free card. I will live eternity. It's not, it's not that. No, you have the Spirit now. Anybody want a new spirit, new life on the inside of you? Jesus says, when you have the spirit of truth, he will guide you. Incredible. How does he guide us? One of the ways he guides us is through speaking into our heart and our mind, into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak to you. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He's going to show you what's coming in your life. God speaks directly into my spirit or into my mind. Look at this, Romans chapter 8. I love this. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit. The idea behind that, that word in the Greek is that they're singing in harmony together. God's spirit and my spirit. And they testify together. Maybe your, your version says that. They testify or bear witness together that we are God's children. That's an internal sensing. Look at this in Acts chapter 13. This is, this is great. This is now a corporate version of this. So we see God's promise in John. When the Spirit comes, he's going to lead you and guide you into all truth. And then we see that working on an individual level. Oh, I'm wondering, where's my relation? Ship at with God. The Holy Spirit bears witness. He testifies inside of me. He gets in accord. He gets in harmony with my own spirit and says to myself, you belong to God. But now look how he works in the corporate setting. When we're, when we're a people of faith, Acts 13, uh, verse 2. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. Now, this verse does not imply that it was like written on the wall or that it boomed from heaven. I can imagine what we're doing today, Ramp Church, where we're gathered together online and we're all seeking God. We're worshiping. We're seeking God. We're fasting. Some of us are fasting. We're praying. And all of us start to sense something in our heart, in our mind. And then we start to talk uh, to one another about, the, here's what I feel like God's saying. You say, well, here's what I feel like God's saying. And after a while, they piled all those, hear what I feel like God's saying together. And what they, what they heard was set apart Barnabas and Saul. Do you know Saul's entire ministry, who obviously that's Paul. He turns into Paul. Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, his, his entire commissioning came from a prayer meeting. Are people here like an internal witness? Like, I think God, yeah, I think, yeah, I'm pretty sure God said, 
It's not like God sent a letter down from heaven that they pick up and read, thus saith the Lord God Almighty, set apart Saul and Barnabas for my use because he's going he's gonna to write two-thirds of the New Testament and formulate the most dense theological books for the foundation of the church. That's not what it was. It was a prayer meeting. It was a fasting. They're just, and what, what does the Holy Spirit do? He breathes, just like he inspired Scripture in 2 Timothy 3.16. He also breathes his words into the hearts and the minds of people who want to hear his voice. And through that act of faith to go, yeah, I think he did. I, I'm pretty sure he did. Then one of the greatest foundational church leaders was sent out for his work. God speaks through our inward voice, and we can sense him. And I just want to tell a few stories on this. Again, because I think scripture, inward voice, sensing are so important for you to understand. I remember when we were, when we were um, in Manchester for a trip before we moved, uh, we were praying around the university campus. We feel a strong call to University of Manchester. And so we're praying. We have our, our lead team from the U.S. Uh, with us, and we're praying, going, God, what do you want us to do? We know you've called us to Manchester because he'd spoken about that about 10 years before that. Um, we know you've called us here. What are you doing? What are you doing at this time? And Where do you want us to start? And um, Pastor Karen looked at Stacy and I, and she said, I just feel that God is speaking to us, um, uh, and he's, he's leading us, but I kind of feel like you know, we're playing that game that you used to play when you were kids where somebody hid something and they knew where it was and you were looking for it. And, and then as you get closer, they go warmer, warmer, warmer. Anybody play that game when you were a kid? And, and we were like, oh yeah, that's exactly what it feels like. We're praying in Manchester. We don't really know exactly what God wants us to do or start with, but he's in our spirit. We're kind of going warmer. You know, is this, are we warm yet? Holy Spirit, are we warm yet? God, are, are, where are you leading us and guiding us? Um, a, a few days later, we had a prayer meeting with, a, with um, some people from an incredible organization called Stella's Voice. Um, check them out, stellasvoice.org.uk. And we were meeting with their lead team, praying into some, some plans that we had here in the UK. And we were all in a circle. None of those guys were on our, our initial trip in Manchester. And we, we all had, our, we were joining hands. We prayed, prayed over our, our trip, prayed over what God wants to do. And then we kind of finished and we're just kind of standing there after the prayer, and there's not, you know, yeah, it was a good prayer, a good Christian prayer time. And um, then one of, one of the people from Stella's Voice lead team, he, what does he do? He hears something in his spirit. He senses something in his spirit. And then he says this. He says, oh, this, is, this sounds really weird, but I just kind of feel the sense of like, I don't know, this game? I, it's like this game that we used to play when we were kids came to my mind. And it's that game when you were looking for something, and someone else knew where it was, and they would say, warmer, warmer, warmer. Well, immediately, Pastor Karen, who's standing on the other side of the prayer circle, and I look up and join eyes, and I am like hit. And then he, go, he goes this, and I just feel the Holy Spirit saying, hot, hot, hot. And we, I mean, it's like a Holy Spirit bomb goes off in that room. We, we go into prayer and to worship, and we knew God had our attention. There's no other explanation for that, but the Holy Spirit spoke to one person's heart. He spoke to somebody else's heart to confirm the thing he's already saying. And this is what the Holy Spirit is saying. I'm, I'm qualifying your search, and I'm telling you you're on the right track. Anybody want that kind of a word? Amen. Your search is the right search, 
I'm acknowledging you're on the right path, and then I want to confirm you're getting closer. You're getting closer. He can do that. He can guide you. And sometimes it's just the inward. What if that, what if that second person had just gone, ah, oh, gosh, that's kind of silly. I mean, surely that's not God. He's not going to speak to me about a kid's game. I mean, that doesn't make sense. We do that all the time. But that inward voice that sometimes sounds like me, sounds like my own thoughts, sometimes that is leading us. I think about a, a couple weeks ago, um, uh, our outreach teams went out in City Center, which they do nearly every Friday night. And one of our interns, Cameron, who is incredible, I can't wait for you to meet her, Ramp Church. She was, this was her first time out with our outreach team. And they walk up to her and, um, and the people she was with, walk up. They just feel led to, to walk up to these two young ladies who were, um, who were in city, Manchester City Center. And they walk up to them, social distance, of course, everybody. Don't freak out. Masks on, the whole, whole deal. And um, they just start a conversation with them. And then Cameron just senses in her spirit that God has something that he wants to say to one of the girls there. And it was about anxiety that she was struggling with. And she got very specific about the place in her body where this, this anxiety, she feels this anxiety. So she says, steps out. I mean, it's not like God wrote it in fireworks in the heavens, right? It's just an inward kind of sensing. I think God's saying something to this person. So she says, is, is there any chance that, you know, that you are dealing with anxiety and it shows up in your body in this specific way? And, yet, and the girl's dumbfounded and says, I'm actually on medication." For that exact thing. So that inward sensing then leads, well, let's pray for you. It's obviously God has you on his mind or he wouldn't have told me that about you. So that opens up the girl's heart to even now hear the voice of the one who wants to give her life and lead her into life abundantly. That's the way God's voice works. That's the way he leads us. There are so many more stories um, I could tell about the voice of God leading us or just impressions or things that we sense in our spirit. The third way that God speaks to us is God speaks through others. God speaks through others. This is called in the Bible prophecy where we are actually hearing God for someone else. Can I just tell you my vision for Ramp Church in this area? I want us just to be a people that hears God for others. Like, you can't, you can't show up at Ram Church without someone else going, hey, I just feel something for you from God. That we're a people who are always going, man, I want to bring a life-giving word to you. And that's what Scripture would call prophecy. Look at this in Acts 21. Here's a, here's a little story um, about early followers of Jesus and prophecy. Acts chapter number 21, verses 8 through 14. On the next day, we departed. So their traveling group departed. And I love that it's, it's we there. So the person writing this is in this story. He's an eyewitness. On the next day, we departed and came to Caesarea. And we entered the house of Philip, the evangelist, who was one of the seven. He'd obviously already referenced them earlier. And stayed with him. Philip had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. I love that. Four unmarried daughters. You go into Philip's house, who's obviously an evangelist. And you're coming into a group of people, a family who's hearing from God for you. While we were staying for many days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. And coming to us, he took Paul's belt and bound his own feet and hands and says, 
said, he's given a prophecy now, thus says the Holy Spirit, this is how the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him, stay right here on this verse, and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. So Agabus is a prophet. He hears a word from God for Paul. I know this is some goofy stuff if this is your first time uh, hearing about the voice of God, but just stick with me. It's not as goofy in practice as it it sounds in theory. So Agabus hears a word from God for Paul, a guy who's staying at his friend's house. Agabus is apparently a bit eccentric or maybe a dramatic kind of a guy because he doesn't just want to tell Paul. He wants to like dramatize it out. So Agabus grabs a belt and puts it around his hands and his feet. He grabs Paul's belt, not just any belt, like, hey, Paul, I know know your trousers may fall down, but just give me your belt, bro. So he grabs Paul's belt, wraps himself up, and doesn't just tell him the word, dramatizes the word out, and says, Paul, God showed me this is what's going to happen to you in the future. Whoa, whoa, that's serious. That's serious. God has an idea of what's going to happen in your life and in my life. He has an idea of where your purpose is going. And it's not his intention to to, to reveal every detail because there is a sense of purpose in the not knowing. But there are some details that he wants to reveal to you. And often he doesn't reveal it straight to scripture. Often doesn't reveal it straight to your own heart or mind. But we need to be people who are humble enough, who are teachable enough, that when God wants to use someone else, he does. When God wants to use someone else in our life, he chooses to speak. And we're ready. We're ready to hear. God, we're ready to hear from you. We want to hear your word through someone else. Do you know the amazing thing about this passage? Let's keep reading. Let's, let's, let's read the next verse. Look at this. When we heard this, we and the people there urged Paul not to go. Because Paul... You're going to look like Agabus if you go to Jerusalem. You're going to be tied up. Don't go, bro. It's a bad idea. Then Paul answered, what are you doing weeping and breaking my heart? You're crying for me. It's it's hurting. Stop. (laughs) For I'm ready not only to be in prison, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord. Keep going. And since he would not be persuaded, we ceased. We said, that dude's not, not changing his mind. Let the will of the Lord be done. This is what you have to understand about being a prophetic community. Just because you hear something doesn't mean you understand the interpretation. Paul walked into a household full of prophetic people. And then a man who was a friend of theirs came and gave him a prophetic word. And then they chose to interpret it for Paul. And Paul said, I'm, thanks for hearing from God, but you're going a little too far. You're telling me what God meant by what he said. And that's not your job. You're hearing me. Ram Church, if we're going to be a people who hear prophetically for others, we can't just assume because I'm I'm the one who heard, I'm the one who gets to interpret. That's not your prerogative. That's, That's the Holy Spirit's job and the person of the one who he's speaking to. Just because he's speaking to you through, uh, just because he's speaking to that person through you, doesn't mean the microphone gets a say in what the speaker says. Are you hearing me? You need to stop short of telling people what God means. If we can't be that people, if we can't be mature and humble enough to be that people, we will never be the prophetic people that God desires. Because he's going to go, ooh, they're careless. They're reckless with my word. And they're going to cause more harm than they are good because they're taking it too far. 
Not all of us in our community, and I can even include myself in this on some days, are maybe where Paul is, where we can go, ooh, no, that's, no, you're going too far. Some of us, are, we're just thinking, oh man, if that's what God said, I'm going to do it. And we need to have some fear of God in us if we're going to be a prophetic people. We need to have some humility and some teachableness in our own life if we're going to be a prophetic people, because we need to go, sometimes I miss it. And if, if we want to hear from God, and I want us to be that kind of community, we've got to have that sometimes I miss it in our, in our mind all the time. Because although his word may be infallible, my ear isn't. My ear's fallible. My heart's fallible. My mind's fallible. And, and God's word is not. But, but when he speaks through a fallible microphone, sometimes the signal gets a little wonky on the other end. You need to have the maturity to be able to go, ooh, I need God's word, but I need to leave me out of it. You hear me, Ramp Church? Just a little pastor, a little pastoral guidance there for you. So I have so many stories on that, but I don't have time to tell them all. They're amazing. They'll blow your mind some other day. So um, God speaks to us through others. Next. I'm moving quickly, Ramp Church. God speaks through dreams and visions. You would not have this book if it was not for dreams and visions. I know that's insane. I know that's wild. I know it doesn't make sense to think the God of the universe who created the universe actually wants to speak to a dream, through a dream to me, but he does. Acts chapter 10, Peter gets a vision, which is basically a dream when you're awake. Okay, you see pictures when you're awake. He gets the same vision three times. It's so contradictory to what he believed God wanted for his life, but it has to do with the future of the church. And, and Peter has a hard time grappling with it. It's about eating unclean things and the gospel going to the Gentiles. But literally, you and I would not be following Jesus if it was not for that vision that, that Peter received. Acts 16, Paul had a dream about a man in another country who was begging Paul to come and minister to him. Macedonia. Paul woke up from the dream and went, I think that was the Holy Spirit in a dream who was calling me to come minister to Macedonia. So Paul went, whoa, God's speaking to me through a dream. I have too many stories about that, but I'm going to move on. Uh, next, God speaks through angels. Okay, now we're getting really crazy. I know we are. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 13. Look at this. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 1 and 2. Keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. I know we're getting goofy. <laughs> but what if? What if? What if? We need to be open to what the scripture is leading us. Number five, God speaks through circumstances. There's a lot of caveats to this, but we can't get away from it out of the word. God speaks through circumstances. Look at this in Acts 15. Acts 15, 7 and 9. After much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, you know that some time ago God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them just as he did to us. He did not discriminate between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. Peter is talking about when the Holy Spirit was poured out on non-Jewish people. This was, a, this was like a paradigm-shaking thing for these early church leaders. And it was, it was the early church leaders who looked at that circumstance and went, Wow, God must be speaking to us through that circumstance. Now we're understanding these different things that God said, and we thought they meant one thing, but now this circumstance has happened, and it's made us reevaluate what we thought that circumstance meant. Now, it doesn't mean every circumstance is God speaking, okay? 
That's, there's tons of caveats with this. But it's undeniable. Sometimes God, let's use a really Christian-y phrase, a really churchy phrase here, opens doors, okay? Sometimes God opens doors in our lives. Sometimes he closes, closes doors in our life. And sometimes the voice of God is speaking. So how do you know you heard God and not something else? I'm really glad you asked because I want to talk to you about that real quickly. Four ways that you can interpret God's voice. Number one, scripture. When God speaks to you something specifically, you need to look what's been revealed generally, okay? So, um, obviously, God had nothing to say about Facebook in this book, right? Social media's not in here. Peter and Paul weren't having a feud over Facebook comments, right? But he does speak generally about communicating one to another, relating one to another, speaking in public spaces, speaking to those that don't believe, speaking to those that do believe, how your conduct should be before all people. He speaks very specifically about those things, and we can take that general advice and apply it to something specific. Now, when you're hearing God about something specific, when you're asking him something specific, you need to go to Scripture. If it defies Scripture, if it is unbiblical, if it's, it's one thing if it's non-biblical, but if it's unbiblical, then, then you didn't hear from God. Sorry. Sorry to be that guy in your life, but you didn't. You didn't hear from him. If, if God, if, if you're convinced God's spoken to you, you're going to marry someone else's wife. I'm sorry, that's not God. I'm just, I've been a pastor long enough to hear these kinds of things. That's not God. God's not speaking to you about that. I'm sorry, that's your own emotions. Maybe it's some hormones, some other things, but it ain't God. I just want to tell you, that's not God speaking to you. Why? Because that completely defies his intentions already revealed in this word. You with me? Uh, our specific word will never defy God's general words in Scripture. So, Scripture, that's one way you interpret. Fruit, is it fruitful? Has, has what God said to you actually producing good things? Or is it producing bad things? If it's producing dissension, uh, judgment, um, uh, criticism in your life, if it's producing pride, band, you guys can go ahead and come on up. If it's producing in your life a haughtiness, a, a separation between you and others, it's probably not God. Because, because if it's God's seed, it's going to have God's fruit. You hearing me? Scripture, fruit. Third, community. Is it confirmed or affirmed by those in your life? Is it confirmed or affirmed by those in your life? If you're believing you heard God, from some, heard God on something and everybody else who's God-centered and Jesus-centered in your life disagrees, you probably should question that word. You probably should question that word. Community. And then history. What, when you look back at the way God's spoken to you, what God's done in the past, does it line up with what he's saying to you now? History. We've got to interpret when we hear God's word spoken to us, we've got to interpret it through scripture, through is it fruitful, through do others around me support and identify, yes, you're hearing from God. And then history. Do I have a history of God speaking to me in this way? Wow. History, history, history. So what do we do now? What do we do now? I'm so glad you asked. What we do now, and this is what I want to encourage you to do, Ramp Church, I want to encourage you to step into these six spaces. Scripture, yes, I'm going to hear from God. Inward knowing, inward hearing, my mind, my heart, yes, God speak to me through that. Prophecy, yes, I want to, I want to hear from you through others. I want to be used by you to speak to others. Yes, I want to know. Let's, let's have faith for angelic visitation. Let's have faith for dreams and visions. Let's believe that God's going to speak through circumstances in our life by moving things around in accordance with his will. So what do I want you to do? Here's what I want you to do. 
And this is going to be a stretch for some of you. I want you to step in that space and then here's the stretch. I want you to believe what you hear. I want you to believe what you hear. If you can't trust what you hear in the presence of God, in a time of prayer, in a time of worship, where, where can you trust him? You can't trust what you're hearing from this scripture. Where, where can you trust him? And without faith, scripture says, it's impossible to please God. So you can't walk in a place that is, that is pleasurable to God, where the aroma of our life is well-pleasing to him, unless we walk in a place of faith. What I want you to do is I want you to step into these spaces, one of these six spaces, and then I want you to listen, and then I want you to believe what you heard. Now, it's always done in humility. It's always done in teachableness. It's always done in, oh, I may have missed God, okay? Because we're human, we're frail, we don't have it all together, we don't, we don't, we're not perfect. But we've got to start with faith. So I want to pray over you, Ram Church. I'm going to pray over each of you individually. Because this is what I'm imagining for us. Look at this, Romans 12. This is, what, this is the, the vision I want to leave you with today. The call to not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. God wants to speak to us, Ramp Church, so that our mind can be renewed with the truth that God has. And that mind renewal leads to a transformed existence and then our life is testing and discerning what's the will of God what is he said what is he speaking what is he leading and and that leads to what is good and acceptable and perfect in our life what I see for you and I ram church is what I imagine a community of people that are hearing God for each other we're hearing God for where he's leading us individually where he's leading us as a community where he's leading my family Dads, where's he leading your family? What's he doing in your family life? Moms, what's he, what's he doing in your family life? Single, what is he do, what's, he, what's he doing in your career? What's he doing in your friends? What is he doing? You'd be people that hear that and then our minds are renewed and we're transformed in what God wants to do.